0: Yes. Okay. Oh, squeaky. 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 Squeaky Danny gets the wheel. Usually. <laughs> Thanks for welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is the, this is the show where, where we say, say the, the same, same thing, thing at the at same, same time. Steven Samurai. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome to the show, everyone. We're talking today about Stephen Samurai, the official podcast. No. I'm gonna start my intro over here. So this is beautiful. This is a good time. I'm here today. I'm just I need to just read what I've written here. Welcome to Cinema Lounge, just the official podcast of the Great Scub. Do the YouTube channel we never touch. Uh, I'm Marshall, and as always, just kidding. Not as always. This is a special day. My name is Ben. This is Ben. <laughs> I've got a third Ben now. I got tired <laughs> of the second one, and now I'm getting a third Ben, and we're changing the name back to Ben and Marshall Do a podcast, and we're not talking about movies ever again. I like it. I'm
1: kidding. This is Danny. Hi, guys. Danny, who are you? Uh, My name is Danny. Am I allowed to give shout outs? I guess. I don't know
0: what that means
1: exactly. All right. I just want to give a shout out to my friend, Eric Keel. Number one fan of the pod. He is the number one fan of the pod. And, you know, I was thinking about you this morning, Eric, and uh, that's about it. That's good. (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> it's been a while since Eric has gotten a mention on
0: the show. Oh, that's good. It used to be that he would just somehow come up on almost every single episode. Mm. Not even intentionally, it would just happen. Well, and I knew that I knew he's happen.
1: been he's been lacking in the references, so yes. I decided to to make sure he was referenced today.
0: I'm glad. Yeah. Well, we're planning to have him on the show soon. Let's see. Yeah, But you beat him to the punch.
1: That's why that's why I was thinking about him because I undeservedly here before you, Eric. So to watch Steven Samurai <laughs> because I love Steven. Any Steven, <laughs> any Even Samurai, Steven <laughs> Stephen Curry, Steven Curry, the best player.
0: Stephen Curry, <laughs> it's pretty great. So this is Danny. Um, <laughs> is just to get to the show, this is Danny. Danny is a good fellow. Uh, know each other for a long time. What I didn't know about Danny is that he was also very much into movies and film and stuff like that. Yes.
1: And you have a list of, like, everything you've ever watched. Yeah, every movie I've ever seen I've ranked from best to worst. That is
0: insane.
1: Yeah. So, it could be a heated argument. But, you know, I've decided... At one point I decided I wanted to... Um, Make it numerical and really get the the perfect number for every movie. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I decided that it's just about the heart. The cunning warrior attacks neither body nor mind. Tell me how! The heart, Osborne. First, we attack his heart. You know, and <laughs> I I took that out, so now it's just my favorite. It's not it's not necessarily what's best, but it's what I like. The I best. respect that. Yeah. So how
0: do you rank them then? Because like when I'm looking at Letterboxd, I feel like one to five is so difficult for me because mm-hmm. it, it compresses it so much, and then I feel like I end up giving Avatar the same rating as a movie that
1: I think is actually good, yeah. and that bothers me. See, that was a big. Big reason I started this because I was like, this can't, this can't be the same as this one. Yeah. So I have to. What's better? Interesting. And so what I do is I have every movie. Well, I've made my own little database at this point. Uh, but I I start by ranking every movie with the year it came out. So say, um, Steven Samurai. Steven Samurai. Nineteen fifty four. What's well, confusing with that one because. It came out in the U.S. in 1956, but it came out in Japan in 1954. I would have said oh. 1954. But... I, didn't, I was not aware of that. Yeah. So, I figured it out because I thought it was 1954, and then on HBO Max, which I used... It said 1956. Uh, shout out HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, which is I it used, on Max right now? It is. Yeah. Uh, it said 1956. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But then I looked it up, and that was the news. Huh. in America. So.
0: That also makes more sense because the commentary that I was watching, <laughs> the guy kept referring to 56. Uh huh. So that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. But and anywho, interesting. Yeah, I take the year it was, whatever, I take all the movies from one year, which that year would not have a lot for me. But say last year, 2022, and I take all those movies and then I rank them my favorite from best to worst. Um, this has no... Backing besides just, I think this, I go individually, this movie I think is better than this movie, which I think is better than this movie, yeah. which I think is better than this movie. And then from there, I go by decades, and I have a list of 10 movies that are number one for each year in that decade, and I compare all of them to each other, and I say which one's my favorite, and then I compare the next one, which was my favorite, my favorite, all the way down. It's crazy. Through that decade, and then I take each decade and compare them to each other, and then it makes the whole... Thousand movie long list that's so, insane. Yeah,
0: I respect it. I, I wish I had a list like that. Yeah, but I don't and I never will because I'm not as special and cool as that's <laughs> that that, That's a good point. <laughs> that's the way when I did my uh, Ranking the Marvel and DC and stuff like that episodes. Yeah, that's how I did it is uh-huh. I was like is this better than the top one? Uh-huh. Is it okay? No, is it better than this one? Yeah, no, is it like and I would just kind of place it that way Yeah.
1: You ha- you have to because when I try to do a formula, yeah. I I put out the formula and then there'd be a movie I'm like, "No, that's like, not That doesn't belong than, there. It's not better than the other one." Yeah. And so you really just Nothing have to... is better than Hotel Transylvania 3. Summer vacation. Yes.
0: <laughs> is that the one? I think so. I don't know. Did you know that those were directed by Gendy Tartakovsky? I don't even know who that is. That's the guy who did Samurai Jack and oh. did like the Star Wars Clone Wars, okay. the original animated 2D stuff? You directed those movies, so apparently? Yes. Yeah, I did know I did know that. So weird. <laughs> Just kidding. So bizarre. Huh. I don't like it. Um, but Danny, I invited you here because you're a big movie guy and because I like you. Thank you. Sometimes. Um, to talk about, I almost said Steven, Seven <laughs> Samurai.
1: Steven Samurai.
0: Steven Samurai, uh, one of the greatest films of all time, uh, often hailed as one of the greatest films of all time very i mean there's a large consensus that would say that it is the best japanese film of all time uh-huh. um, that's always a weird thing because obviously there's different techniques that weren't quite developed yet and there's like different ways that kurosawa would do things because of limitations of the era that could be done differently and I don't know. There's, it's a weird, like, people talking about Ocarina of Time as being the best video game of all time. Uh-huh. And I would absolutely not ever choose that. Uh-huh. But I think that in the case of this, it does genuinely have a really top spot
1: there. I feel like it, like, depends on how you define greatest. Because, yeah. like, how did it transform movie making mm. past it is a different thing than maybe it was the. The best quality made movie of all time is a different story like they didn't have the Resources that we have now sure so yeah, hold your mic a little higher up sorry guys I'll just Here you go. Just made me a little (laughs) concerned.
0: It was drifting further and further away Um, but I don't know I Like it quite a bit But we'll get to yes or no later. I mean, it's the idea behind this part of the show is not yes or no, but like Whatever So, Danny, yes, on this show, which you've listened to before, Mm -hmm. uh, we got our script score, cinematography, performances, and directing, uh, written by and directed by Akira Kurosawa, uh, that he did not write it alone, as he did not write almost any of his movies alone, only his earlier stuff, I think, that he wrote solo. Um, He wrote this one and most of his other movies with these same guys, Uh, Shinobu Hashimoto and Hideo Oguni. They were his writing partners across a lot of different things and they kind of filled different roles with one of them being kind of like the soul behind the scripts and one of them being like the the person who had all the information about the era and, well, this would be wrong and this wouldn't make sense. Uh And in this one in particular, I believe it was... Um, Kurosawa and Oguni who were doing this, the primary amount of the actual writing of the script with Hashimoto doing the overall story. So they would be writing, they went to a a hotel, like they would often, a hotel, an inn in Japan, which is just like a gorgeous, Mm. they showed it in the documentary. It's Mm. just a very traditional looking, gorgeous, like retreat. It's a beautiful, solitary place. And they just hold up there. And would write and this is the way they would often write is to have the three of them around a table writing individually passing it to uh-huh. each other and being like this sucks do something different here this doesn't make sense do something different uh-huh. here this part's pretty good i guess and then just eventually finding a story in the script uh-huh. which in this case was kurosawa and oguni passing it to hashimoto and then him saying mm-hmm. this doesn't fit the overall thing that we're trying to tell that doesn't make sense try again Mm. uh they would joke a lot that he didn't do a single bit of writing on this one Mm. but you know
1: akira kurosawa you're saying
0: kurosawa and oguni yeah okay we're like he he didn't even do it (laughs) hakimono didn't do anything it's like well you know he directed uh the the story a lot which is important Mm. uh the score is by fumio hayasaka who was um, Kurosawa's longest and dearest friend, apparently, and mm. passed away like the next year. Wow. Did four more scores from his sickbed that year. Wow. It's crazy.
1: That is nuts.
0: Yeah. Uh, but it's, I really love the score and he does a great job. Yeah. Cinematography was by Aka. Uh, uh, no. My hair just flew off of my head. It's a long one. Whoa. Uh, the cinematography is Asakazu Asakazu Nakai. Uh, also great, I believe most of his things were also generally Kurosawa movies. Kurosawa kind of had his people Mm -hmm. and those people didn't really go to other people, it seems like. Uh, Directed by Kurosawa and then performances, there's a ton of really great performances in this movie but the two leads are Toshiro Mifune and Takashi Shimura who are also mainstays for Kurosawa, especially Mifune who would go on to star in the grand majority of Kurosawa's work mm-hmm. and Takashi Shimura who right before this was the star of Ikaru which was last year yeah. remade as Living mm-hmm. he's really good uh, this is a very different character from that it's like the polar opposite but also very very good it mm-hmm. was nominated in the Oscars for best art direction set direction black and white I guess back then there was division between black uh-huh. and white and color which is uh-huh. kind of cool to think about yeah. and best costume design black and white mm synopsis of the movie from IMDb. Farmers from a village exploited by bandits hire a veteran samurai for protection who gathers six other samurai to join him. That is the basic most plot <laughs> of this. The IMDb descriptions the are kind and of and funny sometimes. Three and a half hours long be yes. that. <laughs> it's like, gosh, I think the Everything Everywhere All at Once, I read the description for that one from IMDb because that's always what I put here. Uh-huh. And it was like, woman learns that she has to save the universe in a multiverse threat. And it's like, that is not what this movie is about at all. (laughs) This is a mother-daughter movie? And it has, like, the multiverse is kind of also there. Yeah, Like, the descriptions are kind of hilarious. The same way that Netflix descriptions are just terrible. Mm. If you read the descriptions of, or the synopsis of a movie that Netflix has in place, Uh it's just nonsense. Uh And it doesn't make any sense. So, that's the overall, you know, statistics that we've got going here. Um, Danny,
1: what do you think about yes. this movie? Marshall? Yes, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think this is a movie that, surprisingly, even though it's three and a half hours long, mm-hmm. I'm, like, dying to see again. I saw it for the f- first time yesterday, yeah, and I've never seen... I haven't. I mean, I don't have a expansive history of watching foreign films. I've seen some, but mm. I don't have a a lot. So, and I besides, I think the Zack Snyder Justice League. This is probably the longest movie I've ever seen. Really, I don't know what else it would be. We gotta I mean, watch I don't Ben know, maybe Titanic is probably close to this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what else is. Ben-Hur is longer hours.
0: Ben-Hur is about four hours long Jeez. Lawrence of Arabia I believe is also about four hours long Cleopatra also in that realm mm-hmm. I mean if we count the extended editions of Lord of the yeah. Rings then but I, I don't know about that
1: but I think for a movie in a different language yeah to have my attention for three and a half hours... And it really holds your attention. ...is remarkable. Yeah, I think that's a feat in itself for yeah. me. Like, I I think we're in a generation that like we can't sit still for any amount of time. So yeah. to be able to watch a three and a half hour movie and to never be bored mm-hmm. um, in black and white, in a different language, that's pretty insane to me. So yeah. I, I already am like, I want to see it again because I feel like there's so many things I had to have missed... Um, We should watch it with the commentary. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, I mean, the
0: guy that I was watching, comment. I watched it with, because I've seen it one time before, and then I watched it this time with um, commentary from uh, Jared Heck, I think was his name, who's a, I might, I'm probably getting that completely wrong, (laughs) but it was, he was a- a, What the heck. Was. What the heck. (laughs) He's probably still alive. I don't know why I'm saying was. He is or was, I hope you're still out there. Jared um, a Jared. scholar yeah, I did a <laughs> scholar on Japanese cinema and on samurai films hmm. I think specifically hmm. or more specifically um, and he had a lot of really interesting anecdotes not just about the movie and the filmmaking but also about Kurosawa and his life and his upbringing yeah. and everything and what like led into certain choices in the movie yeah you know like even just like the relationship between um I'm going to forget the name now, Mifune's character,
1: Kikuchiyo. Kikuchiyo and,
0: <laughs> yes, the relationship between Kikuchiyo and Yohei mm. is apparently somewhat reminiscent of the re- relationship between Kurosawa's older brother and himself. Huh. And hmm. we can get real <clears throat> deep into that because hmm. his brother was very, very important in the formation of uh-huh. his childhood and of his life and mm. getting into cinema and getting into film and stuff like that mm. um, but it was some really cool stuff so there's we should watch the other commentary yeah. that I have not seen because mm. yeah, I think that would get more into like the history of the era yeah. um, which this does take place in uh, the era that was the 1400s to 1600s yeah. which was after the civil war uh, in Japan that led to there not really being an overall central power. Uh So it was kind of just warlords Uh reigning. There was no central daimyo. There was not like an overall emperor or a police lord or anything like that. It was, I'm in charge of this area, you're in charge of this area. Uh Not even really the traditional clan system was super (laughs) overtly there. Yeah. So what you see, this takes place specifically in 1586... So towards the end of that time, Uh you can see that like muskets have been introduced from Uh Europe and everything like that. What you see is these wandering samurai Mm. because after the Civil War and after all these conflicts, these houses did not really exist in the same way they used to. Mm. So these samurai that before were this warrior caste in this very caste-based system Uh were without jobs, essentially. They didn't have a master which is what Ronin, which is what they would be called, actually means, is like a masterless masterless samurai is the idea. So they would just go from town to town, kind of like mercenaries a little Uh bit, just looking for work. And that's where the initial idea for this movie came from, is that there were a few different ideas. One of them was... Uh, a day in the life of a samurai from waking up to doing this and then this and then storming a castle and making one small mistake mm. and then going back to their mm. lord and then being dishonored and having to um, commit uh, Harikiri, which is killing himself mm. honorably um, they didn't like that they decided that didn't work they de- couldn't find good historical reference for that because so much of the Um, period pieces in this era were very based in like the kabuki kind of style which is that very overly dramatic theatrical (laughs) the really intense makeup and stuff the stereotypical stuff that you would see in like like old style theater essentially Uh of japan and a lot of the period dramas were still very rooted in that Mm -hmm. and kurosawa wanted to make something extremely realistic and very accurate to what it would have actually been like and they couldn't quite find the information for what they wanted for that so then they moved to Mm -hmm. the idea of what if it was a series of major battles in the life of a samurai Uh and they very quickly were like we're gonna make a movie of a bunch of climaxes sounds boring and we don't want to do that (laughs) and then so they scrapped that and then through their research they found accounts of in this time apparently if a samurai was wandering around or when a samurai was wandering around, if he were to stop at a village and do like a night watch for them, Uh they would provide a meal for him. Uh So it was basically this very simple exchange of you protect the village, we'll give you a meal and you probably are going to move on the next day. Yeah. And that was it. And that is when they thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. That could be the movie here. Mm. Because the idea of actually hiring a samurai – like peasants hiring a samurai is extraordinary and makes no sense because these are people who have nothing there's a whole scene in the movie where they are talking like one of the like manual laborers of that town in the beginning is talking to the samurai and saying like you see while they're giving you this white rice they're just over there eating millet yeah like they're giving you literally physically everything they have yeah
1: and you really see the the class breakdown there which is a
0: huge theme in the movie the classism and everything like that
1: yeah I don't even know I don't know if you saw this even that uh, I think I saw something that they couldn't even make movies this is like about samurai yeah uh, until just before this movie was made because when they lost when Japan lost the war the US kind of had this like list Uh, like rules that of like what they could have in movies and they could not have movies about samurai uh interesting yeah so i thought that was really fascinating that this is like just right in the aftermath like 10 years yeah uh after the war so i don't i don't remember when the uh those rules were they didn't say in this video i was watching they didn't say uh, when that was lifted, but I just thought that was fascinating. That That's they, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, this whole post era, post era,
0: post war era for Japan is really interesting because you get a lot of these themes coming back, and there's a lot of like criticism of the the class system and the way that these divisions are really intensely there, and that I think very much comes out of the intense nationalism of war, and then the Kind of aversion to that after the fact. Uh-huh. Especially because Kurosawa, like, definitely was somewhat left leaning. Uh-huh. He very much was, like, not interested in political action as a way to promote social solutions in problems and stuff. But you can see where his politics lie in this mm-hmm. movie. And I
1: just think that he's fantastic. Yeah.
0: What do you think of this script overall? We'll talk about script and story
1: yeah uh well again I think like I said to have a a three and a half hour foreign language film yeah does, with it, uh, without it being boring cause a lot of the script has to be has to be awesome and I think I don't know much about the time period or the uh other scripts uh of Japanese <laughs> movies at sure. this time but I think uh it was really enjoyable i think um the way they told uh they, they let the story of the, the main story of the farmers and uh, the samurai come out while also having humor and romance and all these yeah, other pieces. Yeah, there's so many subplots. That, like, allow you to stay engaged and stay excited about what's going on yeah uh, amidst, uh, but it wasn't too distracting. Like, it kept no. the. The plot was still moving forward very well, um, without like wow but the I just added to it I feel like so. Yeah. Um I think every character
0: very much has their own story arc. Yeah. Every one of the main samurai.
1: Well that was even something I saw, um, that is like a big piece of how this movie's affected cinema mm-hmm. and how they like um I think it's, like, the gathering the team idea. Yes, which, I love that scene. Yeah, which they, they like, gathered all of the samurai, and I think he was saying, like, so many movies have now adopted that, like, whether that's Avengers or yeah. whatever, like, how they have all of these, like, they gather the team, and they t- bring the plot points, or even uh, Zack Snyder, when he was making his new Justice League, yeah. says that, like, Bruce Wayne, he, like, has a quote where he's saying how Bruce Wayne is has to do the seven samurai uh gathering the team thing in the movie which is just cool to see how they really do allow you to get to know i think that's a benefit of the length of the movie is that you get to know all the different samurai and all the different characters and um while the plot's still there so
0: and they all have very distinct personalities and very distinct characteristics to them Mm -hmm. like um Shimura's character, Kambe, the leader, yeah. the fearless leader of men, yeah. is so, I mean, he's just so cool. And none of these guys, except for Kyuzo, are really, really fantastic samurai. Uh All of these guys are kind of lower rung, Mm. just pretty good at what they do. Other Uh than Kyuzo, who is like master swordsman. Yeah. The best of all time. Incredible. Mm. He can't miss. The guy runs past him on the horse. The cavalry goes by and you think he didn't get that guy. And then it follows that shot. And then Uh the dude falls off the horse in the village. You're like, he did get that guy. (laughs) And like all of these guys are somewhat rough around the edges. Yeah but having Kanbei as their leader really brings them all together and then you see the kind of social dynamics form between them as you get um, uh, Katsushiro who comes in and you don't really know what his deal is Uh at first and then there's the I think the peasants are like we're out of food what are we going to do and he tosses them a few coins and you're like oh okay uh huh this is a rich kid like he's here for the experience Uh he knows what he's getting well he doesn't know what he's getting into (laughs) but he knows what he wants to do he's not searching for glory necessarily Uh but he is searching for experience and trying to like I don't know just go out on his own and Uh prove himself so he wants to follow Kambe and he wants to be his disciple and be taught by him and then you get Gorobay who comes in who might be my favorite character Mm. besides um, Kukichio. Yeah. And
1: he's like the chief of staff. I think I'm the same there with you. Yeah. I think those two, well, Kukichio, it's just, his, Mifune's character is just so, so, like, so fun to watch. Yes. I think he just, and he brings an element that, like, I think he, (laughs) him alone, honestly, I think kept me engaged more than just about anyone, like.
0: Yeah. Well, and that character almost didn't exist. Hmm. They added that character really? late into the game. Wow. Because it was going to be... There would be Gorobei, who is like the very competent but yeah. jovial chief of staff, yeah. like the second in command. And then hmm. uh, Kyuzo they weren't super keen on at first hmm. because this scene where he fights this guy just kind of felt like a slaughter, uh-huh. which felt unfair. But... You could tell that he was honorable, and he joins in. You get—I um, don't remember Chicho Chicho I think is the name of something like that. Of You're doing great with all these. things. I'm trying. <laughs> of uh, Kanbei's old friend, hmm. who you immediately—the way they're yeah. sitting in that scene yeah. and just like so casual in the way they talk to each other—you can tell that there's old history there. But they're the, like they're not equals uh-huh. even at that point. Like Kambe is still yeah. the leader here. Yeah. And that friendship there is immediately apparent and that's awesome. Who do we have here? We have Kambe, um, Katsushiro, Gorobe, Kyuzo. Uh,
1: There's one that starts with the H.
0: Oh Hahachi
1: ha, 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 Something like that. Yes,
0: and he is found by Gorobei and he is like splitting wood. Uh huh. And the guy in the commentary I was watching brought up a point that I didn't it didn't occur to me, like, it's hard to split wood like general genuinely it's difficult uh-huh. and to do it in one single stroke perfectly uh-huh. like he's doing every single time uh-huh that is a feat of strength and that's impressive hmm. but he also is that kind of jovial yeah. light kind of presence that yeah. comes into the team that's his very distinct role here and in the meanwhile you've got kikucho uh-huh. who is just kind of in the background yeah like i want to come with guys like come on what's like i'm uh-huh. i'm interested i want to join in you even get those shots of them walking to the village and he's just kind of in the background yeah <laughs> it's so, so far fun by, yeah <laughs> yeah a yeah. lot of horizon shots too yeah. like kurosawa really loves to have mm. the the horizon and like very dense not dense but very uh hard border lines uh-huh. between different things which is very cool But I love that whole team gathering scene and the way that they all fill different roles and the way that as they do start to get picked off kind of one by one, that that really informs the way the story goes. Mm -hmm. Because the first one to die is the one that starts with an H whose name that we can't remember exactly. And he's the jovial, happy one. And the reason they brought him on the team, they say, well, he's okay, but you kind of like bring some lightness to yeah. the group, you know, it'll be nice to have him around. Mm. And then losing him yeah. is heavy. Mm. And it's just, it's very, it's much more serious from then on yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. And then it gets even more serious yeah. than after uh, Kikuchio goes on his little adventure, which ultimately kind of brings down hellfire yeah. on the camp. Yeah. Incredible performance. Yeah. By everyone around. Yeah. Kikuchio's your favorite, you say? Yeah. Nifune? Yeah. Explain it.
1: Well, I just think he was just so fun to watch. I think, and I think he brought, like, he brought, for me, like, something about. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if he's like the best. I mean, you're saying he became the star of all of Kurosawa's films. He was at the time the highest paid actor in Japan. Wow. Okay. So maybe I mean it might have just been how he did it, but I think for me it felt like. I felt like I could relate to him the most. I felt like he mm-hmm. he brought a personality that like I felt like I could grab onto even though I know nothing about Japan. I know nothing about samurai or the like all those things. I think he brought something where I could attach myself to that. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the whole movie like he brought a perspective that felt like a perspective I would have. And so it was fun to like like be watching it from his eyes sometimes. Um, and I thought he just brought a lot of life to the movie, which was really enjoyable yeah. to watch. So,
0: Well, he's the bridge between the samurai and the farmers, Yeah, which is so vital. Because mm. you even get in that early scene when they get to the village and Kande is trying to talk to them yeah. and they just are not responding. Uh-huh. He then comes in and talks to them because he yeah. knows how to speak to farmers. Yeah. Because we find out eventually he's, a, yeah. he's not a samurai. Yeah. like he was a farmer and yeah. he was born a farmer yeah. and they you know eventually accept him as a samurai yeah. but he kind of creates that link between these two worlds Yeah. and there's that wonderful scene I think the best maybe the best acting in the movie mm. is Mifune in the scene where they find out that they've got this stockpile of samurai gear that from samurai that some of these guys have yeah. killed Yeah, and he goes on this long rant of like well, why do they fight against you? Because yeah. the samurai were pillaging and killing and raping yeah. at the same time. Like, yeah. you're going to blame them for doing what you yeah. were doing? Yeah. And it's just really heavy. But it, that moment also brings the characters more close together and really yeah. solidifies everything for a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it
1: gets rough again. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's good. I feel like I something I just loved in the whole thing, like one thing I saw was like, I don't know if this is jumping ahead, mm. but uh, like the cinematography, I feel like it yeah. was so cool with, um, something else, I was watching after I watched was, like if you take a, pi- like you could take as like pause at any point in the movie and it would be a fascinating picture. Yeah. And I just think like the attention to detail and I, I think what I was reading was that um, this is, This kind of introduced this double shot, um, like two camera shot uh, idea, which I thought was really cool. Um, It was at least the first time that Kurosawa had done it. uh Yeah, but like they, or yeah, something about it, like people wanted to do it more often after what because he he did it because there were the battle scenes and they uh, they didn't have it was too intense for them to be able to. redo it and have exact like clear editing. Yeah, get a match cut. Yeah, and so they decided we have to uh, take two shots. And what I like about what Kurosawa did with that was he said, I'm going to have my main camera and then second guy film whatever you want. Really? And just like just do whatever and then if I like any of your shots, I'll throw them in. And which I thought was really interesting because I think people were struggling with the second camera because they were trying too hard to, like, manipulate it so that both shots would get exactly what they're looking for and there was just too much that they couldn't control it. But, he, yeah, they said how if you just had the one camera that you're trying to control and then let the other guy just do whatever, it, became, it opened up a lot more um, that the director was like... Um, so I think Kurosawa enjoyed doing that because... Uh, you just never knew what you're gonna get. And you get another option. So interesting. Yeah,
0: it's really fascinating coming from a guy who is so controlling and so specific. Hmm. Like the, the the guy in the commentary would constantly be bringing up like. Everything is orchestrated by him. Mm. The weather, the the wind, yeah. like the light in fully outdoor scenes and everything.
1: Did he build this whole village, right? Is yeah, that, the whole yeah. village
0: was built about 50 miles south of Tokyo, I believe. Wow. And it was an entire village. There were different parts of it that were in slightly different locations that they would shoot around to kind of make it look like it was one larger place. Mm. Um, but the primary village and the cemetery were all fully built. Mm. Um, to look very accurate to the yeah. time period and everything. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah But great. I think that's really cool. Like you get that kind of Spielberg has a lot of Kurosawa DNA in his work. Yeah. And you know, Spielberg, Coppola and George Lucas yeah. are the Katsushiros to, um, to Akira huh. Kurosawa's comedy. Hmm. So yeah. Like they very much like worship at his feet Mifune was George Lucas's first choice to play old Ben Kenobi. Really? Yeah, and he was thinking huh. about doing it, but you see he, he didn't want to travel. Yeah. And he was, I think, retired at that point. Huh. But there's been some really good paintings done of Mifune
1: as Obi-Wan, and, like, man, it's so cool. Wow. Yeah. We should talk about some of the, like... I feel like that's something I've been really enjoying after watching, is I didn't realize Influences. how much of the, Yeah, the legacy of, yeah. like, Kurosawa, of Seven <laughs> Samurai specifically... Like, I think it was fun, even how much Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know a lot about Star Wars, but I've seen all the movies. But, like, I think how much those uh, are, like, especially the first one was like a direct, like, this is from Seven It's like a,
0: people call it a space western, but really, westerns in America in the 50s were very much inspired by samurai pictures hmm. from Japan, especially spaghetti westerns. Hmm. So, I mean, you get an extremely direct line between Seven Samurai and Magnificent Seven Uh because it is literally the same movie. Yeah. That was the big deal with Yojimbo is that they made Fistful of Dollars, a Clint Eastwood movie, classic, all-time, kind of created or popularized the uh, spaghetti Western genre. And Kurosawa went to see it and came out of that movie and he was like, hold on a second I, I, I made this movie wow. because it is a direct rip off hmm. of Yojimbo so uh. he sent a letter to Sergio Leone and very famously it, it was uh, said something to the effect of I've just come out of your movie A Fistful of Dollars it was a delightful film however it was my film <laughs> and wow. there was all kinds of legal action around that but meanwhile Leone's just running around town being like I got a letter from Akira Kurosawa Just <laughs> hilarious. So wow. that's why then when you watch The Magnificent Seven, yeah, with Ewell Brenner and Steve McQueen and James Coburn and all of these stars of uh-huh. American Hollywood in the 50s and early 60s, uh-huh. um, that they give direct credit to, based on uh, Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa. Uh-huh. Because that, that created a precedent. yeah, And that's been redone a couple times now. There's been multiple kind of remakes of specifically seven samurai there's a bruce willis comedy Uh that is basically just seven samurai wow or no it's yojimbo okay there's a yojimbo that's like gangster movie it's really weird (laughs) the three amigos the chevy chase steve martin martin short movie Uh is a comedy take on the seven samurai Uh it's a hilarious movie uh there's two versions of the magnificent seven the more recent one with denzel and chris pratt and the original with the actors that I just named. Uh-huh. But the the influences are numerous. Uh-huh. I mean, I started out talking about um, Spielberg. And I think one of the things that he takes most directly from um, Kurosawa is the the staging of scenes. And the blocking of characters. Yeah. And the way that his characters move around in a yeah. scene is very, very... Intentional, like everything is very specifically choreographed and it works with the camera, it moves with the camera. Yeah, it's more like the camera is following the scene uh-huh. than the person is like, I need to be in this spot for the camera and then I need to be this spot. Like, no, like the scene is happening and then we're getting the view from the camera. Yeah, like we would see multiple times really interesting shots in this movie of like there's action happening. And people are going around these large areas and everything and through a building and you would see through the kind of slats in the building Uh like uh, Kuhichio taking down the bandit leader Uh and running and following people and everything just in a very unique way that you don't usually see. Yeah, And it kind of creates this like, like we're obviously watching the movie but Uh it creates this sensation of I'm standing here and I'm watching this happen as this guy is going from here to there. Yeah in a very unique way Mm. that you just don't see in other places except for in like a Spielberg movie Yeah, and the way that he stages characters and blocks characters and creates depth in his scenes with the way characters are there and everyone is placed perfectly and you can see everyone's face and everyone's reaction and the more reactions at a time means that there's a bigger emotion happening and
1: that very exaggerated acting. Yeah. It's just so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's crazy the amount like, for me to hear all the influences like you just think of all the like major directors, and major movies like, the amount of influence this movie and this and this director like mm-hmm. had on the future of American filmmaking is absurd. Like you said, Spielberg and George Lucas and I even heard of like some Scorsese and Francis Ford oh, Cabola, sure. and like and even like hearing you say. Sergio Leone, it's really interesting for me because even, like, Quentin Tarantino would say Sergio Leone is, like, his main, like, influence. So, like, you just think the ripple effect of all of... And these people are coming back to Kurosawa. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just a fun, like, just crazy how how much influence one person can have on the history. Like, if he wasn't there, I imagine... Imagine movies... Imagine America today without Star Wars. Or yeah. without, like... It's impossible. Like, like all these cultural things that have affected America for 60 years, 70 yeah. whatever, like, come a lot. And thanks to this movie, thanks to this director, which is... I think that's a big reason why I see why it's, like, so high on movie lists of yeah. what movies are so important or best or whatever, so...
0: It's really him and John Ford yeah. are, like, the two... Sure. All time mm. greats. Mm. And there's, you know, directors before that and everything, but these are the two guys that really kind of took the medium and were figuring out, like, what can we do with uh-huh. this? Because that's one of the things we talked about with, um, uh, on our All Quiet episode. Because sure. I watched the old movie and the new movie. then yeah. watched the new movie. Yeah. And, oh, you watched the old movie yeah. with me. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think we talked a little bit in that when we watched it about how like it was like 1933 I think or 1930 when the movie came out out. yeah movies are so new yeah at that point yeah and they're just figuring out what makes movies work and what makes this medium distinct from this medium like why it's the same thing with trying to adapt a video game into a movie or a tv show and we're just finally figuring that out like there are things that make this thing work yeah that this other thing doesn't have. Yeah. Which is why older movies like All Quiet tend to have a more drawn out, longer feel, more like a play. Uh-huh. Because that's the closest analog that they have. Yeah. And you can just do different things in a film than you are able to do in a play. You're more yeah. capable of taking the camera in this specific place sure. and getting a close-up on this guy that you can't get if you're sitting in the mezzanine in a theater uh-huh. watching an actor from 100 feet away. Yeah. Like... It's so interesting. Yeah. And this is 30 20 years on from that generally. 20ish yeah, years, 24. Yeah, 24, yeah, yeah. And you can see just all of the the growth in between those yeah. two movies alone yeah. is fascinating.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, all quiet. That's like 3 years after the first talkie, first non-silent yeah. movie yeah. Is, yeah. even came out. Like it's Which bizarre. I think is like when I watched that with you again, was like why I was so amazed by that movie because it's like the things they were able to do. Yeah, And that's what like it's what's so fun about watching old movies because if you watch an old movie with the lens of 2023, you're like this movie's okay. Yeah, or this movie, but like to think about what they had to, what hoops they had to jump through, what like new technology with all these things that they had like they're innovators like there yeah, were no
0: computers yeah
1: it's amazing
0: yeah I mean even just going back to the Phantom Menace in 1999 yeah I think being the first movie to ever be shot completely on digital hmm. or no Attack the Clones the, hmm. the like that's crazy because hmm. that's just the world we live in but it wasn't yeah. until 2002 yeah that a movie was fully huh. done on digital cameras yeah like, the growth is slowed down in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. It was very exponential, but there's still these just leaps in technology that are yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So cool. Let's see what notes I have here. We're at 45. That's a pretty solid time. What other interesting things do I have? Um, it's interesting. Like, some people would look at the acting in these movies and think of it as bad acting or ridiculous mm-hmm. or over the top. But mm-hmm. I think it's it very much fits what they're trying to do. And I, I, I think it's weird. That I, I take that back. I think that you would watch this movie and you wouldn't really think that it's over the top. Uh-huh. But if you place these performances in anything else, it seems ridiculous. Mm. And I think that these performances, the largeness of these performances, very much matches the like the beauty of the frames that they're set uh-huh. in and the the largeness of the story that they're set in. Like yeah. it's proportional to yeah. itself in uh-huh. a way that. Like there's a lot of influence in other directors and everything and mm. but if you took one of these performances and put it into a Spielberg movie, it would feel over the top. Yeah. And it would feel ridiculous. Sure. Where in this well, sometimes you get a lot of subtlety mm. by an actor doing what an a modern actor would call a little bit outrageous. Yeah. But compared to the level of intensity that mm. they have some of the time, it feels more subtle. Yeah. I think that's pretty sweet. Mm. The ha, 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 the hair was a big indicator of status to a certain degree, huh. which is why at the beginning of the movie, when um, they cut his top knot, topknot top knot off, uh, all of these guys are watching in horror. Mm. They're like, "What the heck?" Because that's it's interesting because it it shows two things. What the things. Jared heck? What the Jared heck? <laughs> Oh my gosh, what the Jared heck? It shows kind of two things at once. Mm. That it shows his dedication to saving this child and doing whatever it takes. Mm. And not worrying about class difference necessarily. Yeah. But it also, it also shows what kind of social class he's in. That if he was some very high-level samurai, uh-huh. he would not do that. Yeah. Because that means something. Apparently, yeah. it has something to do with, like, more practically, how, like, it makes your helmet fit better or something. Huh. I don't know. That's hmm. why everyone has the weird shaved with uh-huh. the top knot. I don't know. Huh. But it shows primarily, like, he isn't in this super high class, but also he's going to do whatever he's got to do to make this work and to make it happen. Yeah. And that's really cool. And you kind of get a similar thing then when um, Shino's father cuts her hair. Yeah. It's this similar kind of like, it's equally as important mm-hmm. to her yeah. as that hair for Kambe is yeah. for the people around him, yeah. the perception of him. Yeah. It's only monks would shave their head. Uh-huh. Which is the point of why he did that is because he was trying to pose as a monk and everything. Yeah. Which is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mifune is a beast (laughs) just like visually the way he moves and Mm. acts Um, the music is really good it was scored for a thousand dollars which was a lot at the time apparently I'm still
1: amazed that you said what's what's his face that did the score yeah what's his name Fumio Hayasaka Fumio Hayasaka I'm amazed that he did you said ten scores from his four more Four scores from yeah. his deathbed. Yeah. I just like... From a musical perspective, where I am and having uh, yeah, done music and tried to do some film scoring <laughs> mm-hmm. with what we have to, today, I can't imagine. Like, they don't... They didn't have any way to do, like... Yeah. He would have to just be writing. It would have to be all in his head. Yeah. Like, you can't... Like, he doesn't have a way to play... Unless he had a, all these instruments next to him in his death. Like, yeah. I'm amazed. Like, He's like Amadeus brain, in Amadeus. Yeah, like how how much you have to know to be able to create emotion, create like all of this in that way. Like, Figure out how
0: these tiny disparate parts work yeah. together.
1: It's just incredible to me. So, yeah. Even, yeah, that's a tangent, but really cool. Everything's a tangent on a podcast. <laughs>
0: um, oh, yeah, so... Kikuchio is somewhat inspired by Kurosawa's brother, the way that he gets after Yohei all the time, Uh being how his brother would get on him. He introduced uh, him to film and art house cinema and stuff like that. And would often, he was more the pessimist while Kurosawa was much more the optimist. And there was a point Mm. where they like, the Jared Heck, he told, Jared, what the heck? told a story about how they went out after a bombing to just look around, I guess, and saw things that were just kind of horrific and awful, and one of which was just a pile of bodies Mm. as tall as them. Mm. And his brother just brought up, like, like it's, obviously, it's horrific and terrible, but in a weird way, it's also filmically like beautiful and magnificent i think is the word that he Mm. said and kurosawa recognized that was like yeah it kind of is like in a weird kind of Mm. awful twisted way Mm. and he would he was that pessimistic side of things and he would often apparently talk about how he didn't want to live past 30 because uh that's when people get old and bitter and ugly And no one ever took him seriously and then I believe it was on his twenty when he was twenty-eight he took his own life.
1: Kurosawa? No. No his brother. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, Kurosawa
1: was twenty three at the time, I think, or something like that. How old was Kurosawa when he made this movie, do you know? Oh, I don't know. Four thousand. Okay. He wasn't four thousand. <laughs> Well, I just was thinking he was if he was in his twenty, I was just, yeah, I'd be amazed if he was probably later than that. <laughs> yeah,
0: because he was already fairly well established at this point. Yeah. he'd already done um, Stray Dog, Drunken Angel, um, Ikiru, Rashomon. Yeah, yeah, very much. Rashomon was probably the most notable at this point. That was kind of his big break. He
1: had like, done other yeah. stuff before yeah. that, but Rashomon was like the big thing. Um, but just that one still is. One of the highest regarded movies I wanna, too. I need to watch. watch, watch I haven't watch. seen it, but we should watch it. We should.
0: We should watch all
1: of his movies <laughs> right all now. Okay, bye guys. We're gonna go watch all of your Kurosawa, Kurosawa movie. We and we're gonna watch them in reverse you in a couple weeks. That's what in what reverse. I'm yep. <laughs> like, like from the end of the movie to the beginning of the so movie. So, like the last scene first, and the second to
0: last scene second, and the third to last scene fourth.
1: Tricked you. Oh. And the fourth, the last scene, third. You know, that's a good idea. You guys hear this thing fall? We forgot to pull this out.
0: It's a sword. Ha ha. Watch out. Kukichiro, Kukuchio's sword. Kukichiko. Yep. Is about five feet long. It's almost as tall as five Mifune. Five feet long? Yeah. I mean, he's holding it over his shoulder, yeah. this massive thing. Wow. Which, you know, a little bit of compensation, maybe trying to show off fits the character very well. Sure. Um, the There were no stuntmen at this time. There was no stuntman mm-hmm. guild. So, you know, when you see Mufune standing off against charging cavalry, that is actually the highest paid actor in Japan standing in front of charging horses. Wow. Craziness. Yeah. Swinging wildly with uh, that sword and everything. Huh. Cool. Absolutely insane. The falls they would take all the time. Mm-hmm. They uh, There's a story in the criterion thing from uh, an interview that Mm. Kurosawa, not Kurosawa, Mifune did, where he talked about um, various things, but one thing was kind of funny to me where he talked about the horse riding they had to Uh do. And he said, I didn't learn to ride for this film. I'd started picking it up earlier, just outside of a place called Seijo, where there was a stable. I talked to Shimura, Chiaki, and some others into coming along with me. Shumura kept saying that he was too old for horseback riding and wanted to quit. (laughs) But I tricked him into thinking that it was good for his health. In the end, we all became pretty good horsemen. (laughs)
1: Like, that's pretty funny. That's funny. And that's funny that he, like, let out on that because isn't he the one that... They were kind of making fun of his horse riding, horseback riding. In, in the, the movie? movie? Yeah. like yeah. He, He's like, I'm going to go take Yohei's horse or whatever. And then he gets on it and then falls off or whatever. Yeah, there's that <laughs> great sight yeah. gag where the he goes across yeah. and then you can't see him. And then the horse the goes, goes. And he's not there <laughs> anymore. But, and uh, then he's chasing it. it. And it has a broken leg. Whatever, yeah. It's so
0: good. <laughs> Big fan. Um, do I have any other important notes here? Do you have any other important notes, Danny?
1: Um go watch steven samurai i agree
0: go watch steven samurai i've got random bits and bobs here but nothing wildly interesting or wildly important i think this is a great movie yeah i really enjoyed watching it i think i enjoyed it more the second time than the first time that's what i feel like it's gonna happen to me yeah, yeah. i really was struck more by the dynamics between the characters and the classes and their individual stories mm. I was struck by that a lot more the second time than the first time. Was this your second time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because there's just so much to take in. Yeah. Like there is, and it doesn't feel overstuffed, but it is hard to really absorb every individual, oh, yeah. like the coming of age story for Katsushiro yeah. or Kanbei and like having, trying to be this leader, but then in the end kind of feeling in somewhat kind of a defeat of like, well they're off and happy but they've already forgotten about us. Like uh-huh. there's no thanks for us. There's just our four
1: dead comrades up yeah. here and we're basically as good as yeah. with them. Yeah. that's a big thing we forgot to mention. That yeah. last the end gorgeous lunch. shot. Is that spoiling? Can we have spoilers No, uh, yeah.
0: I mean, I think for the for this show, yeah. the review show, we specifically say, "Oh, it's spoiler time." Okay. For full-size lounge.
1: Yeah. But yeah, that end scene where it's uh uh I think is his I
0: think that his old friend is named Chichihiro. Okay.
1: And Kambe? Right? Chichihiro,
0: Kanbe, and Kazum. And he was out in
1: the field Shiro, or whatever, Katsum- but Shiro. it's just them two. And, well, I don't and remember. the kid Kambe. Kambe says like we didn't win. Again like again we didn't win because yeah. we lost everybody and they're now happy. Like it's yeah. such an interesting
0: well, even in that final moment of the final battle where, like, the, the rain is just blasting down on uh-huh. them and it's just Katsushiro, uh, Chichihiro, and Kambe. And he's just, like, Katsushiro has just had his first kill. The first time he's ever killed someone. Uh-huh. It's this coming-of-age story for him yeah, where he, you know, meets this girl and everything and has this kill. He kills this guy and realizes it's not what he... Want Being, yeah, to do and not what he really thought it would be. And there's that moment where it's just the three of them and they just look horrifically tired and mm-hmm. Kambe says um, once more we survive. And it doesn't feel like a victory yeah. statement. Yeah, It feels more like why is it us? Yeah, Like all of this hell that's been rained down not intentionally by Kuchichio uh, um after you know trying to show off a little bit all of the bandits come in and that's when it gets really serious and Yohei has died and he goes intense on all these guys and it just it it, it goes from being like kind of jovial action film a little bit to being much more serious and much more dark and kind uh-huh. of like just brutal yeah and that final statement of once more we survive, like I said, like it really does not feel like he's not saying we did it. Yeah. It is we're all that's left. Yeah. Just like every other time. Yeah. All of our friends are dead. Yeah. And you and me are still here. Yeah. And that's like, that's heavy. Yeah. And I hope that I never understand how that feels. Because, mm. Mm. man, that would suck. Yeah. But it's just... I don't know. I think there's... The ending is interesting because you do get this kind of... Not rejection of the samurai, but just this disinterest once the, once the, the, the service has been rendered. All right, thank you. Yeah. Or not even thank you. Like, they're just back to work. Yeah. Everything's fine now. Yeah. And we did it. Yeah. We... Fixed it. And it's good. And the samurai are, time to go. Yeah. And that's so interesting to me. In yeah. The Magnificent Seven, hmm. the young boy goes and stays in the village with the girl. And this, much more realistically, he realizes that he can't really do that. He's now bound to these guys. You know, he is yeah. a samurai now. Yeah. Like, he's in this world whether he wants
1: to be or not. Yeah.
0: I think that's really interesting. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah good.
0: I say we become samurais. <laughs> Ching! <laughs>
1: oh, now I am the one with the sword. Katsushiro, you are now a samurai. Crap. <laughs> Dang it.
0: <laughs> what the Jared hack. What the Jared hack. Well, Danny. Thank you, Marshall. Uh, Steven Samurai, yes or no? yes yes
1: <laughs> I can't, dang it oh I'm
0: glad I'll cut all that out okay um, this is the time of the show where we talk about if this then that and there's really not anything to suggest other than just watch every Kurosawa movie hmm Especially a samurai stuff. Yo, Jimbo's fantastic. The Hidden Fortress is really good. Uh, Throne of Blood, I believe, is a adaptation of, um, not Hamlet,
1: something Macbeth, I mm. think. I was told hmm. once you're done watching uh, Seven Sam Stephen Samurai, yep. to watch A Bug's Life. Oh yeah, A Bug's
0: Life is also
1: the same thing. So. Do that. I'm Now, I, that's what I want to do. I want to okay. go watch A Bug's Life again. So
0: We're going to be a beautiful a butterfly. butterfly. Okay,
1: Heimlich. Heimlich. <laughs> is that his name? I think that's his name. That would be funny if it was. I can't remember. I think the caterpillar is a Heimlich. Whenever. I hope so.
0: Yeah, everyone, just watch all the movies. Watch all the good stuff. It's all good stuff. You should check it out it's good movies it's good times thank you for listening if you want to check out the show you can check out the show all over the place if you want to check us out on instagram you could go at cinema lounge pod on instagram you could say it on facebook you could do other things i don't know
1: <laughs> do you thank anything? you
0: do you have anything to say danny
1: uh i'm just fortunate to be here you can uh, listen to danny's uh, music uh, yeah you can find me on Spotify at Danny Peterson uh, yeah. and other than that uh I'm just happy to be here thanks Marshall
0: Well, you yeah, know Danny but it's fine
1: yeah Stephen and I are gonna we're gonna hang out later so run off into the sunset and yeah now that we've Give a little kiss won our battle and did we win the battle did we the farmers did but the samurai may not have may never are have. we the farmers
0: or are we the samurai? this and find out next episode next week on cinema (laughs) lounge Uh,
1: okay this has been the show i've been marshall i've been danny doesn't sound as good as i've been ben i've been ben i have been ben for today and i oh we have to toast you have to do a toast my name is ben and i'm grateful to be here marshall that's my toast that's your toast (laughs) Oh, my gosh. My turn, I guess. Here's to the samurai who fell. And the, and the farmers who smell. Smell. <laughs> ah, Dink it. Yummy. Dink it. I don't know how you drink so much more water than me.
0: I really like water. I feel like I was drinking the whole time. Don't drink and drive.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening to All the right, show. I've been Marshall. You. I've been Ben.